Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Mike, Tom, and Jim, and we are one more than two. We are three Sweet Me Bro. On this week's show, we'll discuss the most noteworthy shenanigans of the week in clickbait, and we'll each provide you with a must-watch list of matches. Hey, everybody. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff today, uh, tonight, whatever, whatever it is, whatever time it is, wherever you're at. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about first and foremost is obviously uh, was the AEW uh, Revolution pay-per-view uh, that was on uh, Sunday. Uh, wanted to uh, briefly just kind of cover uh, overall thoughts. Uh, we'll pick some winners. We'll pick some losers. Uh, you know, I'll kick us off um, with overall thoughts. It was it was pretty decent. Um, I think you could see some things coming kind of a mile away. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to get into more of this, but I could you could absolutely see Ruby like I was like, here it comes, here it comes. And there it is. And it was it was fun and it works. And I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to do with it. And I think I actually texted you guys. I was like, oh, my God, it's the it's like the female NWO. Yeah. And I was like, I'm down. Like, fuck, yeah. Like, way to go for the women's division. So I thought that was really fun uh, and whatnot. Um, Mox and uh, Hangman did not disappoint. Uh, perhaps, ugh, excuse me, perhaps more about that later. Um, the the trios title. Um, I got to admit, I was kind of surprised. Um, I, I actually popped. I really thought the elite were going to go over. And I think, I, wow. again, texted you guys like, oh, so black. Like, I was really excited. <laughs> and I'm happy that they're finally getting their just due. And get the elite, get just move on. I even read something um, about that. Even like Kenny Omega is wanting to get back into singles stuff. And it's just mm-hmm. go. Like, I think it's time to go. Like, it just, if, and if there's a, a way to... I don't want to say because everybody thinks that, you know, it's if CM Punk and FTR are coming back or something, it's, you know, it's going to be the elite in this. But it could be actually best for this if they just kind of disperse and it's just everything is just it kind of just floats away. And if Punk comes back, he comes back and they go from there, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I was actually pretty surprised that they won. Um, uh, but I'm very happy. Um, and uh, spoiler a little bit. Um, damn, am I looking forward to that trios match? Uh, right. next week, eight, eight, what do you, a triple trios match? Triple threat like, trios. Yeah. Oof. It's going to oh, be yeah. nuts and it's going to be a lot of fun. I, that I can't wait for. It's going to be a lot of fun. And all of those guys work pretty well together. Cause I know it's the, it's the elite house of black. And then, um, I'm Why am I Jericho? Ah, J A. Yep. Thank you. J A S. So, yeah. uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, will be talked about later. Uh, overall, um, I give it, like I said, I think I said B plus, I give it a B plus, uh, my winner. Um, I got to go with hangman. Uh, my loser, my loser, I got to go with, oh boy. Um, ah, this might be kind of a touchy, a touchy, touchy thing. MJF. Hmm. Wow. That's very surprising. Very surprising. Yeah. Explain and, that. You got to explain that. Yeah, so man, you, can't, you can't just leave us with that. Right. So and 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 this is going to get talked about um, and uh, in, in, in our clickbait to, to really just frankly spoil it. Um, but there was an incident that happened early on um, 
and uh, it's where he threw some water on a kid and it killed the crowd. Um, he even, he just, even when he came in, it didn't feel he, it just, he was, it felt like he was having a really, really hard time connecting with the crowd. Um, and for someone who's going to be the face of AEW, and I'm, I'm not, believe me, I, I am well aware I'm an armchair quarterback or Monday morning wrestler, I guess, if that's what you <laughs> want to call it. Um, you know, it, it, but it just didn't, he just didn't seem to have command of the crowd. And it seemed like it took Brian who is, I mean, it's, that's why he's great to kind of help carry that match and like bring it back to where it was, you know, more boo. Yeah. Boo. You know that, but it was pretty stale and MJF was trying to do, I'm going to throw a cup of water on a kid. I'm going to, you know, start. And it's just, I, I personally, I think it's great. Um, again, more about some of the stuff that he's doing later, but in this day and age, it's, it's not going to work. And it's mm-hmm. you, you, there is unfortunately a line and he, he should know that. And as the face and as the champion, he should know how to, at this level, work a crowd and get that crowd to you come with him. And you know what I mean? And it just, mm-hmm. it, it really felt flat until it, like I said, it, it, it Brian Danielson kind of, it, it, he starts going and then they, and then they started kind of gelling a little bit. So that's, that's kind of my answer a long answer, but tried to make it as short as I could, but it was, it, yeah, it was, uh, he was, yeah, unfortunately <laughs> my loser, but, uh, interesting. Yeah. Jim. I will, oh, I will comment on that when we talk, when we get into clickbait, I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about that when we, when we get to the clickbait, but, uh, Jim, what, what about you, man? What were winners and losers for you? Well, for me, the winner of the night was, uh, and, and this is again, kind of a, uh, maybe a surprise is I, I think Jamie Hayter had a really good showing. Um, I, I think she, she really legitimized herself quite a bit in that match going against, you know, I mean, look, Soraya, yes, has some ring rust, obviously, but the character works Ray is able to do. And then the, the in-ring work that Ruby Soho is able to do, mm-hmm. I, I think, and to have, I think Jamie Hayter really not only held her own, but excelled in that match. And I think, I think this is going to be kind of a, uh, in, in the long, hopefully long story career of Jamie Hayter, that match is going to show to be kind of a big turning point and legitimizing Jamie. So I, I thought that was a big night for her. Um, I thought it was, you know, the match wasn't the best match I've ever seen, but it was good. I thought it was very solid. Yeah. Um, I would say the loser of the night for me is the tag team division as a whole. Uh, cause what in the fuck are you doing? How do you book the guns to go over? How the fuck do you book Jeff Jarrett to be in the match to begin with? Nothing about what's happening in the tag team division makes sense. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it was, it was great that you got FTR coming out, but what the fuck are we going to do from here? Considering FTR's contract is about to run out there's no way you're going to put the belt on somebody right before their contract expires. So you're going to have the fucking guns go over on FTR. I mean, I just, I don't, I I think the tag division has been so good for so long in AEW. It's been one of their calling cards and you're just pissing it all away with this, giving it to the guns, just absolutely ruining it with, with the guns having the belts. So really here's a, and I don't know if you guys have heard a lot of some of the rumblings with FTR um, and and Dax is, been kind of the the vocal uh the 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 vocal uh liaison for the for the group um if that's what you want to call it uh but he's been talking about how you know um you know 
yeah, WWE has more money, but that schedule, uh, I don't know. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, this is what I do for a living. I provide for my wife. And, he, you know, he talks about that in AEW. He's like, but I get to do this and I get to do this. And one of the things that they're really, really in the reason I brought all that up is one of the things that they're talking about is they really want to go work the indies. Mm-hmm. Um, and which I think would be phenomenal. Why not drop, get FTR comes back. They drop the belts to FTR and they go on an indie run and they, they do their dynamites when they need to and whatnot. But I, are you telling me they would, you know, Tony Khan's a businessman, something like that. He'll work something out where he gets a little bit of a cut, but I'll tell you what, if, if FTR shows up at a Logan street square or, you know, or what is it? The Emporium or freelance wrestling. I, I'll be there. Absolutely. I'll do my damnedest to get a ticket, you know? So I, I don't know. I, that's just my kind of thought on it. I don't know if, if, you know, that kind of, I don't gives you something to think about Jim or if, if that's something I think that would be super about, fucking so. cool. I agree. I, I think that would be amazing. You know, almost like, almost like, uh, uh, not quite the same thing, but you know how Punk won the WWE title right before he, you know, quote unquote, left. Obviously, he had actually resigned, but you know, it was such a swerve, right? Everybody was like, "Holy fuck!" How did Punk win when he? Everybody knew his contract was coming to a close. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see FTR get the belts and do the indies. Um, I don't. I just. I don't know if any promoter has that much trust in any talent. And I, th- I think that FTR are, I think they're, they've shown themselves to be good guys. They've shown themselves to be businessmen and they've shown themselves to be, you know, uh, have integrity. I still just don't, I don't know if any promoter is going to have that much confidence in, in a talent to say, yeah, here's our belt. I know you're not contractually obligated to work for me, but here's, here are our titles. You know what I mean? I think it would be fucking amazing. I just, I don't, I don't know how realistic that would be. Do you think if they, what about it? Like, so it, what if they re, what if they ended up re-signing and then that was like kind of a stipulate Would that, that would be again, like much like the punk thing, right? How, how, right. you know, uh, you know, Punk had actually resigned, but nobody knew, you know, it was, it was kept secret. Yeah. If FTR resigns, but they do this kind of storyline, we're going to go, you know, spread our wings elsewhere. And then they just come back every once in a while. I think that would be super fucking cool. Um, I think that would be a real way for, for Tony Khan to show that he is a different kind of promoter and he does have still have that connection to the roots of pro wrestling and the, the heart and soul of pro wrestling, which is not in Connecticut. You know, the heart and soul of pro wrestling is in those bingo halls. It's in those VFW halls. That's the heart and soul of wrestling. And I think TK appreciates that. And this would be a way to show that. Uh, I just but I think you'd have to have that contract locked up first because you can love wrestling. But when you're in charge of, you know, that much money, (laughs) you got to love your got to love your money a little bit more. You know? Yeah, very true. So overall, so what would you what was your grade? Jim, what would you say? I would give it a B plus as a whole. Uh, I thought there were some matches that really drug drug it down, uh, but uh, but there were some really good matches in there as well. I thought I loved the trios title match. I loved the main event. I thought Mox Hangman was fantastic, uh, but there was also some shit. Uh, I thought the Samoa Joe Wardlow match was uh bad <laughs> i think is the way to put it very very bad uh, especially considering what those two are capable of I, I did not enjoy that match i thought the tag title match was insulting um i i just yeah so i would i would say i, I when taken all together i'd give it a b plus fair enough 
Dom, Tomas. what about you, man? What, man, um, see, for me, I was thinking, and I know I'll explain my answer. I think AEW as a whole was a winner. Uh, yes, there was some pretty meh matches, but I look at it as in the bigger picture that they're really trying to they're ugh, they're really trying to produce more of that like homegrown talent. Like they're trying to make the stars of AEW, not like, you know, Hey, you may recognize this guy from WWE. Um, I think it's incredibly smart to have, uh, I think it was awesome that Paige got over MJF went over hater went over. Um, yes, I, I totally agree with you, Jim, that the tag team division is, is very questionable right now. I give Tony Khan props for trying something different with the guns. It's definitely not working. Um, it's go away heat. It's just like, you guys are trying too hard and it's just, eh, it's not working. Um, and I think if you wanted to have a heel group, why not turn the acclaim back to being heels? Cause they were phenomenal, both heels and babyface. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think overall as a product, I think the winner w- was AEW for the night. I think, uh, same with jungle boy, the, the pillars, you, all the pillars that, uh, you know, uh, that were mentioned in the very beginning uh, of when AEW was created. I think that was, it's a smart decision. I think Tony Khan has a lot to tweak. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with the the Wardlow uh, Samoa Joe match. Both of those guys, I feel like, just didn't it just didn't seem like they were into it. And that's always frustrating when you see like two guys who can just just duke it out, and then it's just kind of like, meh, so um, <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. But um, losers. Ah. Jeff, I mean, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's one of them. Uh, the perpetual loser. I am, <laughs> just, a I am just flabbergasted why that man has TV time, why he's wrestling, why he's taking spots. Uh, and Chris Jericho, hand in hand. The the Ricky Starks feud was pointless. Um, I, I feel like Jarrett, you could see that that was a lot of like Jericho's creation. Um, trying to play Booker maybe. I don't know, but it just seemed very like, uh, okay this this was pointless now now what are we going to do with starks he was white hot when he faced mjf and now he's dead uh so i mean i'm not necessarily saying that i guess is is jericho's fault but again jericho's another guy where it's like why are we having you on a pay-per-view we don't need you this story is pointless the jas needs to just stop they need to move on that big faction. It just is, it's wearing itself out. So losers of the night for sure. 100% Jeff Jarrett and Chris Jericho. I'll go ahead and blame Chris Jericho. Uh, I know you said you're not going to blame. I'll, I'll blame Chris. It's his fucking fault. He sucked all of the life out of Ricky Starks. Yeah, he did. Oh, I totally agree. But like, part of me, it's, it's so like, it's a love hate relationship, man. Like lion salt, man, like the Lionheart, mm-hmm. like, uh, old school Chris Jericho. I, I have a hard time. Like, you know, I was telling you guys last week, you know, I've, I was watching a lot of WCW in his prime. He's amazing. But then it's like, what are you doing? Like, uh-huh. just stop, man. Learn to hang it up. So it's that love hate of just like, I, I, I want to love you, Chris Jericho, but you're just making me, you're just disappointing me. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it's, he seems at this point, like it's, it's like beyond confidence i don't know what that is but that he just it's like if you're in the ring with chris jericho you get like 
one of one of if not the best rubs of your entire life like i if, if you notice that like jesus christ he hasn't shut up about action andretti where it's not action andretti it's like okay stop talking about yourself chris jericho and actually talk about action andretti you know and it's just stop dude just please stop <laughs> and it was we had some friends over and we were watching it and i think jim i used your line i was like he looks like a just like a like a like a like melting yogurt or something or whatever it was. And they were just like, they were laughing and I'm like, they're like, yeah, that's pretty true. So yikes, Tom, what was your, so overall grade? So B plus from me, B plus from Jim. What, uh, what was your overall grade? I, I'll, 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 I'll go the same. I think it's a solid B plus. Yeah, right, fair enough. B plus all around. So, uh, you remember Tom, a couple of weeks ago when, when Tom was like, you know, you guys say stuff and then it comes to me and I'm just like, yeah, what they said. And then we give him the opportunity. It's open ended. It's open. There's a million grades you could go with, dude. You could have gone with that. And you're like, no, I'm just going to copy you guys. I don't want to hear you ever complain again. I give it a D minus then. <laughs> I just praise it. And I'm like, not impressed that much, though. Minus. Kind of touch on some stuff that's happening. It just seems like news just keeps happening and happening and where it's been like, what? To like, oh God, no. Like, to like, oh shit. So, uh, something uh, that was uh, not a B plus, but a goddamn A plus uh, plus was uh, what MJF did uh, it, it, during, like, right in the beginning of his match with Brian Danielson. Um, you know, just a little earlier, I was talking about how, um, you know, he was, he was my loser for the night. Um, I, I thought he was, this was going to be like, he was really going to capitalize on this. Um, I guess I just, I don't know, maybe I went too old school and was like, oh, cool, man, we're going to get some like Ric Flair shit and like this and that. But I, I, I think I texted you or at least talked to one of you and said, man, the, the hush over that crowd I remember looking at, I was looking at my wife and I'm like, I feel like he's about to get jumped. Like someone <laughs> is really stopping someone from killing MJF. Um, you know, so anyway, all joking aside, um, you know, the, the hot take was that uh, it was a plant um, mm -hmm. because uh, right before the real story came out, there's photos of this little kid. He's behind, he's meeting everybody in this net and, you know, for those of the boy, the the uneducated in the wrestling world back in the day um, to, to just get heat, to get cheers to whatever they would put plants in the audience. You know, someone's mom. I know you can't see me, but quotation mark, someone's mom, someone's dad, someone's sister, you know, someone's an old lady. Vera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, but it was to, to build the hype up and that kind of went away with the attitude era and a lot of, you know, maybe a little bit here and there, but it's, it's pretty, I've never really seen it. And so Tom and I are talking, we're all talking, you know, Jim's like, I, I, that is plant plant. And I was like, I, I don't know, man, that hush over that crowd. I was like, go back and seriously, I don't know if you've gone back and watched it. it it's like, it's almost like you can hear a pin drop. Oh yeah. And I think MJF's not looking at it. Cause he's like, Oh shit. And I think Brian Danielson's like, God, Oh my God, we've got to get this crowd back. Um, and like I said, that's where, you know, I felt MJF kind of lacked because he, he, so maybe the question here is, did he take it too far? Um, and that seems to be the subject. So it ends up coming out that the kid wasn't a plant and MJF just, he threw a cup of water on him. 
um, you know, AEW being phenomenal um, and just doing the right fucking thing brought the little guy back and that's what the pictures came of and this and that. So, you know, it's, here's my question, I guess, is it too much? Um, I, I thought it was great and I think it's needed. Um, I told Tom, I said, why do you think I'm tuning in? Um, Mm -hmm. and why I'm watching because it's, yes, I know MJF is a character. Um, I got, I hope he is at least, and I hope he's not this vile in person, but it's, this is what he, and, and it's, he's doing well. And this is where he excels at. And I just hope he kind of gets better at managing the crowd a little bit more, but what do you guys think too much over the line? Not enough being with MJF. So, um, Jim, what do you think? I, <laughs> I'm of two minds, right? Cause I, cause I'm, I'm, I wear many hats in my life as a wrestling fan. I get it as a dad. I would have fucking murdered him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and that's, that's what I struggle with is as, as a wrestling fan, Okay, he threw water on the kid, right? Like, seriously, I've I, I've seen far worse things happen, right. you know, incidentally. You know, so I I I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. But again, as a parent, if I was at a show and and a performer did that to my kid, yeah, I I'd lose my fucking mind about it, uh, just because I know what it would do to my kid. Now, if they did to me, I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd, I'd laugh my ass off. If MJF threw a cup of water in my face, I would jump up and down and celebrate it. But if he did that to my right. 10-year-old, my 10-year-old isn't going to understand that. And could I explain it to my 10-year-old? Yes. But not until there were a lot of tears, right? Not until there was a lot of heartache. And so I, I really am of two minds because I, I want to appreciate MJF for the art of being a heel. But as a parent, I just, fuck, it's real rough, man. It's real rough to watch that. Yeah, and, and, you know, you watch the mom's reaction, and it is. It's just this, it's a shock. It's just absolute shock on her part. And and I can empathize with that. I think I would probably feel much the same way of how, how do you, did that really just fucking happen, you know, kind of a thing. So I, I don't know if he went too far, but I think he should probably not do it again. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> right on that. Yeah. No, Tom, what do you think? Well, I, I yeah, I totally, uh, well, no, I don't agree with anything. No, fuck what Jim said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh, I have my own opinions. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys heard, I read that it was tequila. Well, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna say is I wondered if because I've heard conflicting reports. Yeah, same here. And it wasn't water. Oh, yeah, what? it was tequila, and the kid was like complaining that his eyes burned. Oh, and Jesus. that was like a huge. That's why like Tony Khan was like, uh, DefCon Five, like cover our ass. Uh, well, who did he grab the? Oh, did because I thought he grabbed the cup from the kid. No, he grabbed it yeah, from his mom. From mom. Yeah. Oh no! Oh my goodness! Yeah, oh, there, there was, there's like conflicting reports about whether it was water or tequila, and uh, I, I, from what I've read, I heard it was like it, it was tequila. Oh no! Oh, God. oh yeah. boy! I'd, I'd heard a rumor like, and I thought it was just pure speculation that like, well, maybe you know, do we know it was actually water? Yeah, I, I hadn't read anything beyond just that speculation though. Wow. Yeah, that puts it in a whole different fucking light. If yeah. it was, if that was alcohol, 
first of all, you would know it's alcohol, right? Because yeah. oh, yes, yeah. it's clear, but you can smell like you can smell it. Yeah. And okay, yeah, that's so terrible. Yeah, I man, it, it's it's so tough. I I totally agree with the the art of working the crowd and being the heel. And Mike, I think you made a really uh um really great point the last time we talked about MJF being trying to be Ric Flair in an era that doesn't work. And I kept thinking about that the entire time I watched it. Did I think it was as a wrestling fan, just like Jim said, it was amusing. Yeah. You, you got a reaction out of the crowd. Um, however, I also am a parent and a dad and I, I do think he crossed the line. Uh, and, and I think it's, it, when it comes to children, yes, you can poke fun. You can, you can yell, but the minute it becomes physical or, uh, you know, um, emotionally damaging to them, you've gone too far. Uh, and that kid looked pretty shook up. And I, I first, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, I thought it was a work. I thought the kid was a plant, but the more the reports came out, I was like, Oh man, does this hurt MJF? No, I don't think so. Um, but with everything, there's kind of like we live in a we live in a world where everything's kind of a gray area right now. Mm-hmm. And as a 26 year old adult male, uh, excuse me, as a 26 year old, <laughs> 26 year old adult man, that is just something that he he should have known better. Like mm-hmm. he should have known better. And and and, and is it going to stop me from watching MJF? No. Um, and, and I agree, Jim, I will, if he does it again, then yes, I think it'll be like, all right, dude, you're, you're, you're walking a thin line here. Um, some of his promos as, as of late have been a little off, I think. Yeah. Um, I know he's, hard. I know he's really trying to gear towards getting, getting as much heat as he possibly can. Um, but that, that, that Dudley era of heat is over. He can't, if he says the wrong thing, he's going to get eaten alive. Mm-hmm. And I already think that, um, he's, he's, he's on a short leash, especially when it comes to like the TV execs. Uh, I think Khan did a, a, a masterful job covering his ass, <laughs> uh, to put it bluntly. Um, I, I always think about, I mean, you guys remember, you remember when Raven crucified Sandman, yep. even yep. Raven yep. himself came out and said, I'm sorry, I went too far. Yeah, I, I went too far, I, you know, and it was real brief at that press conference that could have given MJ, MJF an opportunity. I understand he doesn't want to break character. I get it. But at least he could have been like, whoops, I, I, I fucked up. Let's move on. And that was it. And then we could be like, OK, he's, he's you know, apologetic. And so. Yeah, man, it's Mike. I, I do. I do think he went too far. Um, I hope he. I hope he starts dialing it down a bit. Um, but yeah, uh, if it if it is tequila for sure, that that's man. You just don't do that to a kid. Come on. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's. I mean, to me though. But I mean, it's how how do you know? You know, it's it didn't. It's not like the cup. And I'm not again. I'm not. I'm playing devil's advocate here. You know, and it's just. I'm pretty sure the cup didn't said, you know, hey, I have tequila in it. It just he grabbed a cup, what he thought of, and who knows? It could have been Diet Coke. Who have who, nobody knows, you know? And wasn't what Diet it, Coke? No, it I know, but I'm just Diet Coke. Than anything. So clear. just I'm just saying, uh, you it. know. But um, no, good points, and it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens, and if eventually he they're going to tone him down, um, 
and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting. To see what I, I kind of also to, to add a little more here. Um, if I feel like if he would have done that in WWE, he would have, he would have been fired. Yeah, it, absolutely. You would have 100 been 100 been different. Fired. It's a absolutely. different product now. Well, that's yeah. it's a different product up there. It's a completely different product, and that's, I mean, it, well, you can get into that more later. But I just, yeah, it would make no sense for him right now the way he's acting to go like, I, it, I just can't see it happening. But that's the thing, but, though, man. Like, if if that's his end game, and and uh, if I was a, an executive at, at WWE, I'd start thinking a lot harder to bringing him in, mm-hmm. you know, cause that, and that's, yeah. that's damaging to his career. I mean, he's got a lot of ass kissing to do, especially like, like he always, he's always been very vocal about going to WWE and it's like, yeah. bro, that, that's not how you do it. And probably the greatest segue in the history of segues. Speaking of twat waffles, Sammy Guevara. Uh, <laughs> the, king, the king of the twat waffles, Sammy Guevara. Uh, it came out this week that Sammy Guevara did an interview where when talking about the possibility of AEW doing house shows, a possibility that we've discussed actually on here and, and something that AEW is doing. Um, Guevara said that he'd be fine being left off of house shows because he wants to save his bumps uh, for TV. Oh, my God. Basically, Sammy Guevara said that uh, he wants to work TV. He doesn't want to work house shows because he doesn't want to expose himself to unnecessary risk uh, mm-hmm. by doing house shows. And he's fine with other people doing it. He just doesn't want to do it himself. Uh, and the reason that makes him a giant twat waffle is because <laughs> <laughs> that is that is that is Sammy Guevara saying, I'm OK with every other person in this company taking risks but I'm not going to do it because I'm too good for that. And go fuck yourself, Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Uh, I really wish Eddie Kingston and Andrade had beat the fuck out of you <laughs> because if that's your attitude, fuck you. I, on, the, on the one hand, I understand like you want to preserve yourself and make a career and longevity and blah, 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 blah. But keep it to your fucking self, you yeah. idiot. You fucking <laughs> idiot. You don't say that out loud. You don't say out loud to a reporter into a fucking microphone. Yeah, you know, I don't care if other people get hurt, just not me. Fuck you, man. You're in a business where it's entirely about taking care of the other guy and protecting the other guy. And there's camaraderie and there's brotherhood there. And you just completely fucked it all over. I don't, you know, we, we talked about this with when the Andrade situation went down. And I remember I said, Sammy Guevara needs AEW, but AEW does not eat, need Sammy Guevara. And this to me is another great fucking example of how no one needs Sammy Guevara. He's not a fucking team player. I would love to see Dax Harwood sit down with this little piece of shit and look him in the eye and say, tell me motherfucker, tell me why you shouldn't have to take bumps that I do. Please just fucking the arrogance of this guy is just what a just twat waffle, just twat. That's the only fucking word for it is twat waffle. (laughs) The, the thing that, that bothers me a lot about that, is uh, is that he takes insane un- unnecessary bumps and that's yeah. 
100% his own fucking fault. Yes. Tone it down, dipshit. You, who, who's telling you to go a thousand percent at a house show? If you've ever gone to any big wrestling company house show, they don't go that hard. They just don't. It's, yep. They don't want to. And, and the, the, just the audacity of saying, I'm better than you. I'm better than house shows. I, I'm only meant for TV. If I was Tony Khan, I'd be like, well, guess what? You're off TV for a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, too, look at, you know, Dan. Uh, God damn it. I always say Daniel Bryan. I thought, swear to God, I thought you were going to say Dan Spivey. I'm like, I would look <laughs> at Dan Spivey. Dan Spivey. Guys like Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, CM Punks, like these guys who have worked their ass off in the indies doing house shows. Those guys are the ones that are better than house shows. Those guys don't need to do it because they already did. Like, who is this guy? Right. I've never heard of Sammy Guevara until AEW. Yeah. So please explain to me why, yeah, why this this idiot thinks he's better than like the entire roster to do house shows. It's just, what an idiot move. What a what a it's just a dumb shit. A twat waffle. Twat waffle. A waffle of he's twats. A, he's a, he is a twat waffle. Yeah. No. He's what an arrogant prick. And it's it's Jim. I think you even brought it up. And it's. uh Yeah. In our in our group text where it was like, wow, the whole you know Andrade uh mm-hmm. eddie kingston it's all kind of making sense now why i think just this like this the arrogance dripping off this kid and and i i believe where did i see i want to say i thought he came from the nwa do you remember that when nw and i think it was right when ring of honor shut down they got like a surge and i don't know because mm-hmm. he used to wear um because i how panda. i first yeah a panda like a this huge yeah. and i was like okay this is interesting it's like okay, the guy can—he's a good worker, you know—and just that's. So I don't—I don't know if he, but I—I I, I thought he was in NWA and then he jumped ship. Maybe I'm thinking of Ricky Starks because I know Ricky Starks was in yeah, NWA. So maybe I'm—I don't yeah. know. But yeah, I what like this little yeah. asswipe was was telling Andrade that he hits too hard. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, dude, get, get out of here, man. <laughs> You should be. See, that's that's when I would have I would have busted out the like what my dad used to do. Like, oh, you think I'm yelling? This is yelling. Oh, I'd be yeah. like, oh, you think I hit too hard? Watch this, motherfucker. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I just I just yeah, I, I, I read that report and I just I haven't had a high opinion of Sammy Guevara in a while. And and that just really to me, that's the nail in the coffin of fuck this guy i mean yeah. just fuck this guy he's he he doesn't do great work in the ring he does decent work but not great work i can't think of a single match of his that i thought was stellar like you said tom he takes stupid fucking spots for no reason right and he, he does his like oh i'm gonna stick my tongue out and make the crazy Ooh. signal so obviously i'm hardcore no you just you look like a fucking idiot every time he does that he looks like a fucking moron it doesn't look cool you look stupid as fuck i just i just i yeah i i've i've i'm i've written off sammy guevara at that point i I just and like i said i would you know there's there's a lot of talk going around about cm punk being a locker room cancer that's locker room cancer right there 100 percent 
that fuck that guy. I I also I love that he looks at concrete and is like, that seems like a good a good spot for me to take. <laughs> yeah, so I'll the ladder and spray all, right. all over this concrete. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, it was like, what was the what was the ladder match that he was? I thought it was Cody. Where who was it? Where he completely missed him. He like somersaulted <laughs> off the ladder, yeah. like completely missed him. And like, yeah. I think the guy was like, what the, like, look at it. Like, what are you thinking? Like, I wasn't even yeah. ready or so. It was, well, yeah. he's also the one, remember when Matt Hardy got knocked out real early on when Matt Hardy's time in AEW, that was Sammy Guevara. There was a spot with Sammy where he went off the top of that forklift. So mm-hmm. yeah, Sammy doesn't have a great history of, uh, taking care of his, his his fellow workers or himself. Yeah, or were he? Uh, didn't he also throw? Like he also poor Matt Hardy. He threw a chair at him. He, there was a chair yeah. spot that went wrong, and it was like even his. That's when Matt Hardy's wife gotten was like, "Who throws a chair like at mm-hmm. someone's head like that?" And it was it was pretty gnarly. I remember seeing it, but then it was very clear. It was like, "Ooh, poor Sammy, you're gonna get yeah. your receipt," and he did, and he got. He got pretty mollywopped. Pretty good. Doing more. Yeah. More receipts. Andrade, come back. Andrade, <laughs> come back, please. So there's a rumor uh, that has been, I don't know if it's been planted. I don't know where it came from, but it's starting to get some buzz that there is potentially a LA Knight and Stone Cold Steve Austin match at WrestleMania. And uh, from everything that I've read, it's literally based on LA Knight going, yeah, and Stone Cold Steve Austin going, what? I swear to God, that was my fear. You you said that, and I'm like, please tell me this is more about just saying the fucking catchphrases. It's all about the catchphrases, and it makes absolutely no sense. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would would watch the shit out of that, but... For all the wrong reasons, yeah. Because oh then, I mean, it was it was it was fun last year to see you know Stone Cold come back and get you know I always love when a wrestler wants to retire on his own terms, you know. And you, we all know how banged up Stone Cold was, and it was fun. It was all nostalgia fest, and Kevin Owens really, I mean, boy, he <laughs> he worked his ass off. <laughs> he, he he worked. Till till he he was you know raw in the bones, I mean, but this makes absolutely no sense. I don't understand no. why. And and this is also to um to to get your guys' thoughts on this a little more. This to me is all Vince McMahon, and that's what worries me the most is that this is Vince McMahon and he's sneaking his way back in. One, well, I don't know if you guys saw, but the, there was a report that Vince was backstage at Raw. I did and see that. Yeah, the creepy he mustache. claimed he was, yeah, I claimed he was there just to say hi to John Cena, but in reality was in Gorilla the entire time. So we've we've talked about this. We've talked about the 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 dread of is he going to weasel his way back in, and I I. I see your point, Tom. L.A. Knight versus Stone Cold, because it's built on such a flimsy premise. Flimsy premise is Vince McMahon's middle fucking name. Yep. Right. It's not Kennedy. It's flimsy premise. <laughs> <laughs> so I can. I mean, you already got the almost versus Lesnar match, which has Vince written all over it. It's I, amazing, you guys. 
I, I mean, and look, like I, I would love for LA Knight to get that rub, right? LA Knight to have a fucking WrestleMania moment with Stone Cold. Good for him, man. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, fuck, that's totally. awesome. But exactly i don't see what the point really is there well and that's what's like it's just it it's gone from man boy um i know the three or the two of you will know this it's gone from the showcase of the immortals to a gaudy super bowl halftime show and you may get some wrestling involved you might get lucky and see a good match and it's going to be on at you know six o'clock like gunther and that they and they do it and then you know they're going to bring out somebody like a jake paul or stone cold and it's just like i i yeah no no thanks <laughs> so what, what mike is saying is that he's 100 100 in he's on he's, board he's gonna watch he's gonna watch wrestlemania twice <laughs> I heard he's flying in for it. Actually. That's what I heard. I heard this yeah. is Mike's first WrestleMania, Mike. I, I can't wait. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah, the I I just worry that yeah, that this is McMahon all over again, and I'm just like, oh come on. With especially with like some of the, I, I understand that Bray Wyatt, you know, a lot of that's his own doing, but. It just as of late just is like, what the hell? This is this just this is crappy writing. Crappy writing to me is Vince McMahon. And also, too, I just don't think Triple H would do like I just feel like Triple H can do some kitschy and dumb stuff, but like not not. Yeah. Versus what? <laughs> that just doesn't seem like it's in his wheelhouse. Well, just really not to go down, you know, uh, this path. Uh, but Tom, you, since you brought up Bray Wyatt, um, uh, I caught the I caught a clip yes. of the Bobby Lashley and Uncle Howdy. Did I say it right? Oh did, my I, God. did I say it right? Yeah, 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 yeah you got yeah. it. You yeah. got yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Finally, so Captain Howdy, no, uh, so, <laughs> so Uncle Howdy gets in the ring and does this, and then he like Bobby Lashley destroys him. It looks like I didn't see after that, but I'm like, um, what? Like that made no sense. Like, wait, I, what? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And that again, to Tom's, I'm like, this has got Vince McMahon written all over it. Like you're a big, you're a big black man. Black men are strong. You know, like you're <laughs> take from ghouls. He's a ghoul. Look, look at him. He's weird. He's freaky. You're not, you're gorgeous. Yeah. I'm like, I don't like this. Like, cause it just doesn't, it, one, it doesn't make sense, which already has Vince McMahon written over. It, and then he does that, which is like, all right, that's, that's at least two. You know, I can mm-hmm. see where this is already going. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Tom, Jim, it's- I think I can speak for you and say that I really want Mike to do more Vince McMahon. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what I think what's going on with uh, our, our good buddy, Uncle Howdy, I think what you're seeing is backstage creative is going, uh, dude, this is not working. Like you're 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 losing too many people. So I I think what we're going to see is we're going to see, unfortunately, uh, because nobody's, nobody wants this match. Like, I don't know anybody that wants to see Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt. Um, I think, I do think Lashley is going to go over and then we're going to see kind of a, another reconstruction of Bray. And Mm -hmm. and that's too bad. Cause like he, he came out white hot, man. And then it just is like, yeah, I mean, I could see a, a, a kind of a way out of this is I could see, and maybe this is the end game all along, is that 
you know, he, Bobby goes over because of course, and Bray beats up. He's like, it's Uncle Hot, it's your fault, beats it up and exposes him as, as, um, the fuck, Bo. And mm-hmm. Bo's like, I just wanted to help, you know, or something like this. And now, <laughs> now you've got a, a brother. Well, no, I'm sure I know it sounds yeah, kind of no, funny, but great. a brother versus brother, kind of, they're both insane. And it, I, you just, I don't know. It's that to me has kind of WWE written all over, but I could see that as a way of, you know, getting out of this a little bit and being like, okay, because now you can at least have one good guy, one bad guy, or they're both. You got a tag team to at least something to be like, oh, good God, we've, we've got to write the ship on this one. So. Well, it is the, the thing is, this is what the, the third, fourth time they've done this to Bray Wyatt. Yeah. They bring him in. He gets organically over as a motherfucker, and then they shit it. They shit the bed. Yep. And it's just happened over and over and over again. I, I just I, I wish Bray would read the tea leaves and get the fuck out of there. They're never going to let him see a vision through. They're, they're going to tamper with his stuff every time and fuck it up. And it's. Yeah. I, I, it's really disappointing. It's just very disappointing. Yeah, I was, and, and you know, not to, it, again, turn this into the Bray Wyatt show, but I'm still kind of surprised he went back, to be honest. Yeah. I thought he yeah. would have, knowing Tony Khan and his, knowing that Bray can wrestle, he, he can. He's, I mean, the guy's had it in his blood forever, mm-hmm. um, you know, and his character work is amazing. And he just, it doesn't, because it's a PG I, I don't I don't want to blame the PG, but it's just it's not the mold. His art doesn't fit the mold of what WWE is. And I feel like he could have done that better in AEW. And I'm just kind of surprised that he didn't go. Because I would have thought like him as like a big reveal is like, you know, the House of Black really, you know, he shows up or something like that as the true, you know, that's who they worship or something like that. Oh my God, that would have been unbelievable. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So and then eventually you can get a you know the student turns against the master or some shit like that. My match of the week uh was Wheeler Yuta versus Timothy Thatcher wow. for the pure title. Loved it. I I love Timothy Thatcher. I think he's such a he's I think he's winding down. Unfortunately, he he had a great run on the indies with uh, Ringkampf and and Walter back in the day. Um, I just I, I thought it was it was something unique. I do like the uh, I'm I'm kind of new to the, like the pure champion. Um, I never really watched like pure champion matches when it, when it was like prime Ring of Honor and like obviously mm-hmm. I mean I, I've definitely seen you know the Nigel McGuinness uh, Brian Danielson match. Um, I just thought it was a really, really good showcase to show, you know, two guys who can really go. Um, mm-hmm. And in that, too, um, I kind of like that we're going to see we're seeing the uh, Blackpool Combat Club turn heel. I, yeah. I think they needed to be heel. I think uh, to make it work, I think they're kind of like slowly removing Brian Danielson from it. Um, and I, I think we're going to see some really, really awesome stuff from like, Mox being the head of that and like not worry about championships, not worry about this, just going out and having fun. I would love to see nothing more than like the black Blackpool combat club go to like different indie shows, 
and kind of terrorize the Indies uh, as long as Tony Khan would let him. But yeah, that was my match of the week. What about you guys? No, I was going to say just really quick um, about Timothy Thatcher. It just, man, I got into him late, to be perfectly honest. I, I'd always heard about him, but just never um, never really went down his uh, into his history uh, until recently. But he, he strikes me as a Dean Malenko, as just a guy who's, God, man, what yes. a wrestler. Holy moly. Man, some of the best matches I've seen with Timothy Thatcher. And I'm like, boy, oh, boy, I, I wish I, you know. I wish I would have known about him sooner and whatnot. And I, I don't know who knows, you know, I'm just one fan, but again, you know, it, get him some sort of popularity and get him where he needs to be. But yeah, um, I, I, I haven't seen the match. Um, I actually uh, was thinking, I was going to, I was thinking about bringing this up in clickbait. I actually didn't even know the ring of honor TV was back until um, I was reading something. I was like, Oh my God. I thought it was just kind of a one-off, not necessarily one-off, but like it was like, okay, we're a trial run. And then they did another one, and I was like, okay, wait, what's going on here? So I'm going to have to jump on that bandwagon and actually, because some of the matches actually look pretty decent. Um, I heard the um, uh, Athena and Willow match was actually pretty good. Um, good. I I think it actually headlined too. So, you know, huzzah for the ladies. I'm sorry, for the women. Um, (laughs) And, you know, but no, I just – I didn't even hear about it, so I'm definitely going to go watch it because uh, huge fan of the ugh, huge fan of the yikes, huge fan of Timothy Thatcher. So I don't know, Jim. Did you did you see it? I haven't watched it yet because that's on the newest episode, and I haven't gotten to it yet. That was going to be be on the agenda for me tomorrow, but uh, I I'm not surprised. I mean, those t- Wheeler. We've talked about Wheeler a few times and how he's really. Uh, shown a lot of growth and yes. and shown himself to be phenomenal yes. over the last couple months. And yeah, Timothy Thatcher is, it's hard for him to not have a good match and pure championship, pure, pure rules fits him perfectly. Cause he's kind of that throwback guy, you know, oh, he's yeah. that throwback, you know, I'm going to stretch you. Uh, <laughs> and, and pure rules fits there, fits that perfectly. So I am, I'm definitely excited to watch it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, well said. Well, Mike, what was your match of the week? Yeah, so um, not uh, Mox versus uh, my Captain Howdy, uh, Tom <laughs> Daniel Bryan, Brian Brian Danielson. Um, my match of the week um, was actually from the pay per view. Uh, uh, was uh, Hangman Adam Page and John Moxley? Wow, man that that was the match. I was I was thinking I'm like Texas Death Match. <sighs> When's John Moxley gonna blade? It yeah. just—I thought it was gonna be. It felt On the like way it was to the ring. Be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Literally, he's just like, you know what? I'm gonna get it over with, and you know, just, you know, whatever. And it was just—it felt like John Moxley lately has gotten kind of formulaic. And this is where, um, so I was gonna bring up too, Tom, that I think maybe the losing—he ends up losing, but ultimately, what kind of you know pisses him off and wants to turn him into a heel or, or whatnot. But that's where I was going. With that, but it just, I thought it was going to be formulaic, but man, something felt different when Hangman came out with Ghost Riders in the Sky. Even Caitlin, my wife, was like, that's not his usual music, right? And she's like, ooh, you know, and I'm like, it's just kind of, it's a fresh Adam Page. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, all right, my interest is peaked in this and that. And it literally didn't stop from the moment go for me. Um, I thought it was nonstop. They were pulling out classics, the, the fork. Um, oh my God. I think I even texted 
somebody, I think, I, I think I, who did I, what did I say? It's like Terry Funk or somebody would be proud. And yeah. Jim, you said Abdul the butcher will be, uh, wants royalties, wants royalties. <laughs> it just, I thought this was a phenomenal story of two like rugged motherfuckers beating the shit out of each other. And the ending, I thought with the chain, you could tell Hangman was wanting to like, no, no, no. And John was like, I'm making this re and like, he went and was like, that tap was like, he was getting choked out from that chain. And it oh, just, it. from me, it just, the realness of this match, man, brought me back to Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, Abdul the Butcher, Terry Funk. Like, this was a damn good fight. It was a damn good wrestling match. And it was a damn good story. And I thought it was a wonderful way to end it. Um, I... I'm really intrigued to see what they're going to do with Hangman because I, quite frankly, I think to beat a guy who's coming off his hottest year um, and has been maybe wanting a break or whatnot, and you got a clean tap out victory over him, um, that speaks volumes. And I just, I don't know. I, Tom, I'm, 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 I'm interested to see what you, if you saw the match and if that changes your opinion about Hangman. But man, I just, I think Hangman is going to be kind of the, I, 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 Man, but I hesitate when I say it just because, like, I don't want to say sting, but just this consummate, mm -hmm. white hot, really good <laughs> I don't baby. Know how I feel about that comparison. Well, just, I'm just saying that, like, yeah, a, a, a yeah. Dusty Rhodes type, that, like, they're, you know, they do, they have the consummate good guy. And I really, truly think Hangman is fitting that role. And it just, I don't know. It just, I'm, I, I was hesitant about Paige. And I've just become more and more and more and more of a fan of his. And I, I just, I thought that win was, was awesome. I, I really was surprised. And actually I thought he was going to lose, but I pleasantly surprised. But like I said, good fight, good wrestling, good storytelling. You know, what do you guys think? Tom will. It, it, it reminded me a lot of like shades of flair and funk. And I mean, that that's high praise uh, right there. Mm -hmm. um, and as a guy who, who kind of wasn't on Adam Pad, oh, God. As a guy who wasn't on Adam Page's uh, bandwagon at the beginning, I think he is the babyface the company needs. And it's it's almost like protect him at all costs, kind of, because he's got a great look. He 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 is a phenomenal wrestler. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's going he should be going over guys like, you know, Mox, who is very funk and hardcore. The next guy should be, you know, the big bruiser. He, he's just got to like, it's got to happen organically. And I think it is. And yeah, I, I, I thought it was a great match. I thought it was very hard hitting. You know, there's definitely some, you know, mock spots where you're like, oh, wow. Kudos <laughs> for taking that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I enjoyed it a lot, man. I think that's a solid pick. I, I definitely would stand behind that. Good pick, Mike. Well, Jim, what do you think? Yeah, I, I hate it. What, <laughs> what you said. Next. <laughs> no, I, like, I, I really I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And like you said, you know, the, it's predictable with Mox. You know, there's going to be bleeding like a fucking stuck pig. But I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Hangman Page's moveset. Uh, I, I think he has a lot of really good, powerful moves that that 
fit the character well. So I'm a big fan of of the work that he does. But there was there were a couple spots like the I'll tell you the one spot where Hangman wrapped barbed wire around his body and then attacked Mox. I was like, okay, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, there were there were a couple spots where I was wincing, uh, but given that's the goal of that kind of a match, I mean, hell yeah, you know you were you were you know Tom made the comparison of of Flair Funk. I to me it was it was Dusty Flair, right? It was oh. Dusty and Flair in Florida, right? Those two would have some matches in Florida where they were you know Rick had the the classic you know crimson mask and and Dusty was scarred all over his fucking body as well and it reminded me a lot of that that kind of just i'm gonna do whatever the fuck it takes to beat this guy um and and i i enjoyed it i absolutely i definitely enjoyed it and like i said definitely had me cringing at certain points but oh yeah in a match called a texas death match that's that's what you want that's what you want yeah my my wife uh she she loves moxley but cannot stand some of the more brutal matches we'll call it yeah. so she got up and started cleaning up and everything and she's like isn't it over and you know i'm like holy shit and i'm like no it's not over like don't turn around don't turn around you know just kind of fun stuff like that but no I'm glad you guys enjoyed it i just it yeah, to me it just felt like a good nostalgic wrestling match and being like yeah this is why i love this shit like give me a good beer good cold beer and Give me a match like that any day of the mm-hmm. week. Oh, yeah. I'll be happy. So, mm-hmm. Jim, what was your match of the week? I, you know, I had a two-way tie, uh, honestly. Um, the the first was also from the pay-per-view, and it was the trios title, uh, House of Black versus the Elite. Wow, I was dead wrong. <laughs> fucking loved it. Absolutely fucking loved it. I, I just, I was, I loved how many false finishes there were, uh, how many near falls. Uh, I, I love the pairing. I think having Brody King in there as the kind of the, the giant was just perfect. I, I was so happy that house of black got the belts. I just all the way around was fucking giddy. I was, I was literally smiling throughout the match. It was, it was, it was so entertaining. Um, the other, uh, cause I, I gotta be honest, I was expecting one of you guys to pick that one. So I had come up with a backup and my, my backup, which I think is also just as good. Uh, so it wasn't a backup so much as an alternate, I guess it's probably more appropriate, uh, would be, uh, Takeshita versus Woodsy, uh, from ring of honor. The, the first episode. Oh, nice. uh, yeah. The Takeshita versus Oof. Josh Woods match was fucking amazing. It was, you know, I even, I even texted you guys, you know, and I, I said, you know, well, you know, Mike, your boy Woodsy's really showing himself here against Takeshita. And it was it was fan fucking tastic. Um, you know, I, I wish it was on a bigger stage, but that's the beauty of, of digital media is that it's there for all of us to go back and watch again and and people to go back and see it. But it was I thought that was a, a phenomenal technical wrestling match. So you, you had an amazing striking match with the trios championship and then you had an amazing technical match with Woodsy versus Takeshita. Um, you guys you guys saw I know you saw the trios match. Did you guys see the Takeshita Woodsy? I did. Damn well, I cannot. I'm a. I am 100 on the both of the Kanosuke Takeshita train and Josh Wood train, and I was giddy watching that match as well. Um, both just, I mean, young learning, and oh my god! And um, I'm trying to think where where did Kanosuke did he come out of the 
did he come out of the dojos or I don't think he did. I don't I don't think he came out of New Japan. I think he came out of um uh did he come out of Noah? I think he came out of Noah. I'm not sure. I can't. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I just know he's got a good wrestling back, like a, a good wrestling background. And Josh Woods, as a as an amateur wrestler, a good re- – but you can just – they mesh so well. And I love watching Kanosuke hit the ropes. I don't – can you name anyone that's like, just hits as fast as that? No. Like, no. it's unreal. And, it, and the way – Josh Woods reminds me of – Maybe not as quite as, but very close to like a Kurt Angle because he's only been doing this for what did I say when he? I think it was 2015, 2006, something like that. Very, and he's picking up on it very and very very well. Um, and he's had he had a great showing with Mark Briscoe. Um, that was one of my oh my god! I think that was one of my matches of the week actually. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. it was just it was great, and it was just you got to give these guys the people to work well with. And I mean, it just goes to show you that I mean, Kanosuke's worked with who right now? Like he's worked with MJF, everybody. Um, yeah, and he's Danielson, Danielson, and even Danielson said like, "Holy shit, this guy's you know kind of the future of it." And you've got that hot of a talent with an up and coming hot talent. I'll take that all day long. So like, I, I, yeah, I, Tom, if you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. I don't want to spoil anything, but. I jo- I could watch Josh Woods do what's he I think it's called Chaos Theory I think it's like Doug Williams used to do it that just but he Josh Woods just looks like that lumberjack like brr, strong man mm-hmm. oh my god and he just and Kanosuke just it just and he's so fucking big and he pulled that off Chef's kiss it was good match <laughs> but sorry I went on way too long <laughs> Tom okay, man uh, I actually missed it uh, I was. Using it legally, finding it, uh, uh-huh. and I, uh-huh. I came in. I came in like right after the match ended, so I have to go back and watch it. But I, no, I agree with everything you guys say. I love both those guys. Um, I think you have a future phenomenal star in. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his name. Takeshita. Uh, Takeshita. Um, I he's he's he. The sky's the limit for that dude. He's he's already made a name for himself and I'm really excited to see where he's going to go from there. And also too, like I love that it's, it's that ring of honor feel. It's a small crowd. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the mat sounds a little, little stiff and just get two great guys and and just let them go. And I think that's, I I think Tony Khan's doing a really great job in like capturing the spirit of ring of honor again. So I'm really excited not only to see what, both of, both those guys are going to do in the future, but also excited to. I'm really excited to see where Ring of Honor is going to head, uh, where, I, where it's going to go. Yeah, I desperately want the three of us to go to a Ring of Honor show. Oh my god! I, I, oh fuck! Yeah. In a crowd that's because I love the intimacy of the crowd and Absolutely. the fact that like you can hear the comments from the crowd yeah. and it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yes. Yes. It's so good. I want to play a little game with you guys. Right? I want to play. I want to play a little game with you guys. So we're gonna we're gonna do a little version of password, right? I'm gonna say a word, and I want to see if you guys can guess who this is based upon the word, right? So, clue number one. 
King. King. Hmm. Tom, your guess? Ah, <sighs> uh, man, it's got to be. Oh, man, I don't know. Oh, that's tough. Uh, I could, it could be so many things. Uh, King uh-huh. of the Ring, King of Strong Style. Uh, I, it's not Jerry the King Lawler. If it is, goodbye. <laughs> it is not Jerry the King Lawler. Have a good night. Is it is a King of the Ring winner? No. Ah. Mike? What comes to mind when I say king? Oh, wow. Hmm. Uh, Mongo McMichaels. <laughs> hmm. I mean, we're, we're obviously talking about Jeff Jarrett, right? No. Um, uh, clearly, yeah. King of the Mountain. <laughs> king of the Mountain. <laughs> king of the Mountain. Is it King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett? King of the we good, guys? All right. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, Clue king. number two. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, All you right, got, king, you're going to go king. in? Okay. Um, you asked me. Okay. Oh, wow. Jerry Lawler. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this will make sense, Jim, but older. What did you uh, say? King it's, older. It's a relative term. Hmm. Is it Harley Race? It is not Harley Race. Oh, good guess. Good guess. I'm really excited. That All right. Like, clue- Clue okay, number two. All right, so remember, we got King, and now clue number two: Heenan family. Haku. It is Haku. It's King Haku. Holy shit, King Haku! It's got to be King Haku. Yeah, uh, the, I'm dancing, the, baby. The third clue, if you guys hadn't gotten it, the third clue was Tonga, which I th- hopefully would have given it yeah. all the way away. But yes, it nice. is in fact King Haku, otherwise known as Ming. Uh, King Haku born, and this is one of my favorite facts about King Haku. King Haku's legal name is Tonga Uluuli Fafita. So his first wow. name is Ta- his first name is Tonga, and guess where he was born? Houston, Texas, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. He was born in New York, like Detroit. Born in Tonga. Named Tonga, grew up on the island of Tonga, named Tonga. I don't, that's just, I would love to be like, I should name my kid Rockford or something, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's the equivalent. Uh, but yeah, so Tonga Uluuli Fafita uh, grew up on the island, the Pacific island of Tonga. Uh, he is not Samoan, he is Tongan. And while there are a certain amount of, of shared traits and shared ancestry there, uh, it, it is well reported that that uh, King Haku is very clear to point out he is not Samoan. He is Tongan and he is proud of his Tongan heritage. I have so to going, tell you, I'm yeah. sorry, Jim, not to catch up. I have to tell you, Tom and I got into a massive debate about <laughs> he was like, no, the rock said that is I was like there. It's not. He is very, very. He's Tongan. He is tied like so he's very outspoken about no, no, no. It's very different. Like we yep. might look alike, but it, we're very yep. different. Yeah. Pacific Islanders, uh, you know, we, we, let's just say, um, melanin challenged folk like to group 
people together in broad swaths, but there is a significant cultural and heritage difference between Tonga uh, and uh, and the Samoan Isles, uh, as there is between uh, you know Hawaii and and Fiji, right? You know, the, the, they're different cultures that we like to group paint with a broad brush. But uh, yeah, so so King Haku did grow up on the island of Tonga. And when he was a young man, about the age of 15, the king of Tonga, the shoot king of Tonga, legit king of Tonga, <laughs> sent him to shoot king of Tonga, sent him to Japan to study sumo. Uh, yeah, as kind of this cultural exchange. Yeah. So for the glory of Tonga, Haku was sent to Japan to learn sumo wrestling. Uh, fun little trivia. Another young man who sent along with uh, King Haku to learn sumo was a young man by the name of Sione Vailahi, and I'm butchering that, uh, who you probably know better as the Barbarian. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. So, so Haku, and, yeah, Haku and the Barbarian literally grew up together. Uh, my other favorite wow. little, yeah, my other favorite little tidbit trivia uh, revolving around this is that in multiple shoot interviews, you will hear people refer to the barbarian as Barb, and I fucking love that <laughs> because I had two grandmothers named Barb, and so they're talking about one of the scariest, toughest motherfuckers to ever be in the business, and they call him my grandma, and I just love that beyond all. Oh, comprehension it's absurd but i love it anyway. that's adorable so so haku and the barbarian traveled to japan to learn sumo uh under the under the uh, uh direction of the king of the isle of tonga and while learning sumo uh haku is given the name fukunoshima which is his wrestling name in the sumo tradition wow he uh, competed in sumo for two years. Uh, ultimately, his sumo trainer passed away, and due to some kind of internal conflicts, he uh, he and the other Tongans were released from the sumo world. Uh, and so he was kind of in Japan trying to figure out what his life is going to be. And fortunately for him, a couple of other former sumo wrestlers who had transitioned into the world of professional wrestling, uh, those were Tenryu and Ishikawa, took Haku under their wing and brought him into all Japan. And so oh, wow. technically speaking, Haku was actually trained by the giant Baba. Uh, in all Japan pro no wrestling. Shit. Wow. wow. I had no idea. I had no idea either. I didn't. Yeah. Wow. No, Jesus. That's yeah. one of the things I love about this segment is all the crazy connections you find <laughs> between wow. all yeah. these wrestlers. But, yeah, yeah, no he was trained. He's so fucking tough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> trained in the all Japan dojo by, uh, by giant Baba, giant Baba and his, uh, and his trainers. So he starts his career wrestling in Japan, Canada, and Puerto Rico. Uh, he, he really is just kind of along for the ride in Japan and Canada, but in Puerto Rico and the Worldwide Wrestling Council, uh, which was run by uh, Carlos Colon, he, he really kind of stands out and he becomes both a tag champion and a heavyweight champion in Puerto Rico. Uh, a couple of years after, you know, working his way around the international scene, he, he finds his way to Connecticut and he signs a contract with the WWF. And he originally joins the WWF as one half of the tag team, the Islanders. Now, here's another fun little trivia for you. Uh, his tag team partner 
was uh, a man who went by the name of Tama. Might sound familiar as Haku's son would later be known as Tama Tonga. Tama Tonga, combining the names of his father's tag team partner and his father's old wrestling name, which was King Tonga. So Tama Tonga is actually an homage to his father's early days. Uh, wow. Another fun, yeah, another fun little tidbit for you. Tama is the twin brother of Rikishi and the father of Jacob Fatu. So part of the reason why Tom might be thinking that the, the Haku is related is because he's just got a long history with the Anui family, but he's not actually blood related to the Anui family. So he, he goes way back with the, the Anui family, uh, but he's not actually blood related. Um, Dwayne Johnson does call him uncle. Um, they, they have a familial bond, but it is not through blood. So just, you know, good to know. FYI. I, I always can never get that like family tree, right? So it, I appreciate yeah. the homework, man, because I was always under the impression that Haku was somehow related in that family. And then Mike and I got into yeah. an argument one day about, <laughs> like about for an hour blood related <laughs> and who was like friendly related. And yeah. I was like, no, they're all related. God damn it. Yeah. So we were, we were, and I, Mike, I yeah. apologize. <laughs> no, we were, it was so funny. I was in a car with my wife going out of the highway and I, you know, she's like, what are you doing? Cause I was like, you know, talking. I'm like, Tom doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And I'm like <laughs> researching this and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, Tom fucking thinks he knows what's going on with the Inouye family. And I was like, he's wrong and I'm going to prove him wrong. And like, we, we were still Tom's out a and fucking about racist. We're still out. Well, it's like, we're out and whoa, about. Whoa, hey, whoa. We ended up like hours later, I call him and I'm like, God damn it. Look at this. And like, we, we finally <laughs> talked it through and it was so funny, but it was just very funny that, but no, you're right. It's just, it is it, that whole, it, the family connection. it is in, well, just, I mean, the, the amount, like, and I'm, I'm assuming it's gotta be few, but like, um, uh, I'm blanking on it. It's, uh, well, I, yeah. High chief, uh, Peter Maivia, Peter Maivia, yep. they weren't they weren't blood but they were like blood brothers like exactly and exactly. it's and how, how many people are considered blood brothers and connected to that family is mm -hmm. bananas and it's insane yeah like so it just almost kind of makes sense that yes of course they're related to you know king haku or yeah. haku so yeah and so yeah it is it's like i said they're very deeply entwined and you know that's the we've we've talked about on this show before the the racial stereotypes that are so ingrained in classic wrestling you know like mm -hmm. oh you're tan and you speak a language from the islands this guy's <laughs> also tan and speaks a language so you must be related uh and that's you know that's and that's how they become tag team partners that's the reason that haku and tama are tag team partners is because they're both from the pacific isles um in this tag team, the Islanders, they feud with Strike Force, which was uh, Rick Martel and Tito Santana. What a name. Uh, I know. Yeah, was great, great tag team. Name. I vividly remember Strike Force. And they also feuded with the British Bulldogs, which was uh, actually resulted in some pretty good matches, including a, a six man tag at WrestleMania, uh, which was uh, uh, kind of underrated, in my opinion. <laughs> um, 
after a while, the Islanders kind of break up, not in a big dramatic rockers type fashion. They just, you know, stop wrestling together. And uh, Haku is called upon to become King Haku following an injury to Harley Race. Uh, Harley Race was, of course, King Harley Race, uh, but he was injured uh, working a program with Hulk Hogan. And so they had a big coronation ceremony where uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan now pronounced Haku King Haku. And that is where <laughs> King Haku comes from. Uh, he didn't win King of the Ring. He was just kind of handed it uh, because Harley Race got injured. <laughs> He's bequeathed to here. Yeah, he was kind of handed the title. Yeah, I love in wrestling that they're just like, there's no explanation. They're just like, ah, here you go. Yeah, no, <laughs> no explanation needed. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because hey, I be, say you're going to oh. be a king now. And you're like, well, all right. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't know who amongst us thinks they're uh, big enough to challenge the wisdom of Bobby the Brain Heenan, but I'm not that guy. Nope. If Bobby Heenan says you're the you're the king, you're the fucking king. That's just how Goddamn it is. right. <laughs> so while, while in the Heenan family, King Haku also forms a tag team with Andre the Giant, and they are known as the Colossal Connection. Uh, unfortunately, this was this was right. This was near the the end of Andre's in ring career. Andre was oh. riddled with injuries by oh, this point. Man. Was was you know really a shell of what he used to be. Sure, but because he's Andre the Giant, they still win the tag titles off of Demolition in January. Wow, um, they win the tag titles off of Demolition, but ultimately drop the titles back uh, to Demolition at WrestleMania six. But what's most memorable uh, about their title run was that in that WrestleMania match, Andre never actually enters the match. He was in such bad shape. Wow, he couldn't compete. And so Haku wrestled the whole match. And, and what was most memorable about the match was that this is the match where Andre turns face. Uh, basically, there's there's a, a, a spot where Haku goes to uh, savant kick uh, demolition. Uh, there's a mix up and he hits Andre. Andre gets tied up in the ropes. Haku gets pinned by demolition and Bobby Heenan blames Andre for the loss. And Bobby Heenan slaps Andre, which then turns to Andre in a classic iconic moment, uh, paint brushing Bobby Heenan in the ring and, and just <laughs> smacking the shit out of him in the ring. Um, and that's, that's what turned Andre face uh, and uh, kind of what ended his career as a face was uh, because of his tag team with Haku. So wow. after the, the classic connection loses the tag belts, uh, Haku goes back to being a singles wrestler uh, and he has quite a few feuds for the next years, but he never comes out on top. Uh, he's not a jobber per se. He's just, He's not getting over uh, at all in any of these feuds. So he leaves the WWF after a couple years of of kind of mediocrity. Uh, and he, he, he does some tours in Japan, does some tours in Mexico before finally settling in WCW and debuting his new name, Ming. Uh, I go back and forth between Ming being the best and the worst name in the history of professional wrestling. And I really can't tell which it is at any yeah. given point. So when he when he came in as Meng, do you and I because I don't want to spoil anything, but do you fuck it? But do you remember when he came in? <laughs> I just remember he he always I can't remember who he was with, mm-hmm. but he always wore this black suit. Yep, and he had that like weird mullet where it was like really close, and then he had that like big poofy hair. 
and he reminded me of the guy from um kickboxer the guy in the end and i was like what are they trying to do here and i just remember one time dustin rhodes tried to like wallop the shit out of him with a chair those like really splintery woody chairs and uh, it didn't work and then he had to protect his dad because his dad was doing like he was getting the thumb thing mm-hmm. whatever the fuck that's called but tongue and death grip yeah I, was that meng or was that i that was bing oh was that Meng? okay that was yeah, because Ming was uh, when he, when he originally came into WCW, he was uh, basically he was a bodyguard character, uh, and uh, he he wasn't a bodyguard char- bodyguard character for very long. They very quickly transitioned him into uh, the Dungeon of Doom, where he uh, became the face right. of terror. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I the face of terror. The Nothing strikes of, terror yeah. in my heart than Ming. Ming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that guy <laughs> yeah so he, he he joins the dungeon of doom he joins kevin sullivan's dungeon of doom uh and he it is there that he teams up with barbarian for the first time now he worked with barbarian in wwf they've known each other their entire lives but this is the first time they really are a tag team and they they form a tag team known as the faces of fear and i think to this day that's what a lot of people remember most about ming is is his tag team with the barbarian uh and i i think they were an underrated team i thought they were so fucking good Uh, i thought they worked off each other really well but uh never they never got the push they never got the push that they deserved so he you know ming toils around in wcw for for quite a while every once in a while he gets a a big match uh but for the most part he's just kind of there um the most notable thing that ming is able to pull off in wcw is that he is the last hardcore champion in company history uh ming won the hardcore title wow and yeah and then the company got bought by wwe like a week later so oh wow uh, the only title Ming won in WCW was the hardcore title, and he was the last one to hold that belt. So uh, after WCW gets bought by WWE, uh, Ming bounces around the indies for about another decade. Um, wow. At the same, yeah. At the same time, however, he also picks up a, a second career as a car salesman in the state of Florida. What? To this, to this day. Okay, man. Good for you, dude. To this day, it is an absolute dream of mine to buy a car from Haku because that's a thing you can do. You can go to Florida and you can buy a car from Haku. And I swear to God, I'm going to do it uh, before before my days are up. Yes. I'm going to have a picture of me shaking hands with Haku in front of a new Toyota. <laughs> it should it's be. Fucking he, he gives you the tongue and death grip with every new car. Yeah. You know, that's that's amazing. What the Dude, fuck? I like, will. You know what? I will get the undercarriage wash. Yes, I will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. After after selling cars and, and working some indie shows here and there for a while, uh, Haku shows up kind of out of the blue in New Japan pro wrestling alongside his sons, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa, known as the Gorillas of Destiny. Yes. Um, it is during this this brief run in New Japan that Haku also plays a big role in the evolution of the Bullet Club. Um, while Haku is, is with his sons, with Tamatanga and Tonga Loa, uh, after a match between Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes, Haku and the Gorillas of Destiny come to the ring and just 
beat the ever loving shit out of Kenny Omega and the young bucks. And they call themselves the firing squad and say, they're the real bullet club and other bullet club members come out and they end up destroying all of them as well. Yeah. And um, so Haku, Tamatanga and Tongaloa, kind of create this separate path for the bullet club that we're still seeing the ramifications of today, right? There's still, that storyline is still going. Uh, Cause you still have Tamatanga, uh, you know, the good bad guy uh, still kind of feuding with bullet club over who's the real legacy of the bullet club. Um, so he, you know, he's still making his, uh, his, his name known in pro wrestling through his three sons, uh, his only biological son, this is another interesting fact, uh, his only biological son is Hikaleo. Yep. Uh, Hikaleo is his only biological son. Tamatanga no. and Tongaloa are both his adopted children. Uh, they're his, I believe, nephews. Uh, yeah, I think, but he, yeah. He adopted them. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, the you know has been referenced already here. You you say the name Haku, you say the name Ming, and immediately the mind turns to the legendary stories of Ming's reputation yes. outside of the ring. <laughs> uh, shoot interview after shoot interview, you find uh, talent talking about how Haku was the toughest. And simultaneously, paradoxically, the sweetest man in the history of pro wrestling. Uh, one of my favorite, and I, I want to ask you guys for your favorite stories about Haku's badassness, because there's so many of these legendary stories. Uh, but my favorite uh, tidbit about Haku's toughness is that Bo- uh, Bobby Heenan said that Haku and Harley Race were the only men that Andre the Giant was ever afraid of. <laughs> wow that that fucking does it for me is when andre the giant who could destroy any man with one hand is afraid of you you're a tough son bitch but like i said every there's so many good stories about haku and his his exploits outside of the ring i, I i'm curious what are your guys's what stories have you heard about haku or what are your favorite stories about haku I, I can't I can't name a specific story. It's all been just it not hearsay or just things I've read, I guess. Well, and I just I can't remember one, but just always that if there was a fight that would break out and, you know, they'd be fighting and he'd come around, everyone would immediately be like, nope, nope we're good. We're done. Nope, we're done. We're good. <laughs> and something. And then um, there was another one where I thought I read something where somebody wanted to test his grip strength and he he broke through a coconut. Yes. or something like it was insane With one hand what? And, yeah it's nuts and like mm-hmm. people are like if you're you think we're joking like this man is this strong like just naturally strong because if you looked mm-hmm. at him he didn't have like i'm sure he lifted weights of course like i mean he's a wrestler for god's sakes you you have to do something but like he just he had this just unnatural strength about him and that's just that was the stories that i've always heard is that either people would try him and then they'd find out the hard way or someone would be like, you don't even want to do that. Yeah. And I get the sense that he just didn't feel pain, at least not the way that normal people feel pain. Cause a lot of the stories are just the guy just didn't, the, the things that would stop you and I didn't stop him because he was able to either push the pain away or not feel it somehow. I, I don't know. 
That, yeah, I don't know how one breaks a coconut with their bare hand. Like that's pretty <laughs> fucking strong. Yeah, could you imagine if he did that in front of you? Just how terrifying that like would would feel. He's like doing his mumbling. I know he's not mumbling, but he's like speaking Tonga while he's doing it. But doing it in that like, oh, I'm, a, I'm not, probably shouldn't. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I wouldn't imitate that one, Mike. I'm sorry, but it just and then he's like just like crack. I'd be like. And good day to you, sir. Like, Here's, Here's my man. Uh, he's in the car. Here's $20 for your bus ride home. I'm sorry I inconvenienced you. Well, and again, like by all accounts, he's also one of the sweetest guys in the world. And, you know, it's just you don't want to get on his bad side. But he's he's incredibly loving and kind until you piss him off. And then he'll fucking murder you. The, Tom, what was your what was one of your yeah what was one of your yeah, favorite? Uh, there's a few of them. I love um, listening to Ric Flair talk about him <laughs> because Flair there there's like a story of them like of course all drinking and um, it was basically like I don't know if it was another wrestler or another guy, but one of them was like you know talking shit and you're like oh you're the pretty boy wrestlers you're this is fake this is blah 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 it's fake yeah. and rick flair was basically like okay go get him and then, <laughs> like, I would, you know, just twist him up like a pretzel and he would be like it would be the funniest thing in the world is because they, they would all be out drinking and you know just trashed and just um and he like compares uh he said he compared haku to uh what modern day like ufc fighters are and I was like, uh, that's terrifying. And Ted DiBiase has a really good story about him, about like how if any of the boys would get in into fights, you know, um, backstage and which it happens, of course, you know, it continues yeah. to happen, obviously. Uh, people would uh, this is this is like the pre Undertaker court. It was basically Haku. They'd go, you you need to go get Haku because he he would like break up fights because once yeah. he would like walk around the corner it was like, oh, everyone just kind of like, oh, shit, never mind. Um, and then I, uh, uh, I just, I was just kind of looking up one. Um, Rick Martel, or it was Rick Martel. It was, um, no, excuse me, Perry Saturn. Uh, Perry Saturn uh, was asked who would win in a fight between the Barbarian, Ming, Scott Norton, Jim Duggan, Fit Finley, Scott Steiner, and Rick Steiner, or Perry Saturn. Um, and he said immediately, Ming, no one would stand a chance. Yep. <laughs> yep. Somebody, I, I saw somebody once ask uh, who would win in a fight, Haku or Brock Lesnar. And they said, well, are you talking about a fight or a wrestling match? Because if it's a fight, Haku would murder him. <laughs> and I, I love, I love all the legendary, you know, there's the, oh, there's phenomenal. the uh, Haku bit a guy's nose off in a bar. Uh, there's the uh, Haku reached into a man's mouth and ripped out his teeth. Uh, Haku uh, was uh, police were trying to arrest him one time and they handcuffed him and maced him and he just ripped the handcuffs. Yeah, apart. I've heard that one. Where, yeah, he ripped yeah. the handcuffs. Yeah, and and the mace was having zero effect on him. I, there's Christ. just. My favorite, though, my favorite, and this is great because you can actually look up. There's video. It's very rare that there's video evidence of Haku's uh, uh, murderous rage, uh, but there's good video evidence of this. Years ago, a couple years ago, the What Culture guys planned a prank with Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. Yeah. 
and they didn't nobody told haku so they're they're at like a convention thing or something and the what culture guys start like start cutting a promo on tamatanga and bullet club and start talking all this shit right and tama's giving it back right because they're working but again nobody told haku oh my god and so haku starts chasing down simon miller yep and you can see the look on Simon Miller's face of I'm going to fucking die as he's like sprinting through this parking lot to get away from Haku and Tamatanga is having to like run after Haku like dad dad we're just joking we're just working we're just working oh my god he, no. he was I vaguely remember that he he uh, no Simon Simon Miller like you in the video he he catches like a right hand by Haku and yeah. if you freeze frame it you can just it's pure terror on Simon Miller's yes. like face it, it like and he's even I, I think he's even uh, he's even like like bro 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 it's it's not really like he's trying to explain <laughs> and he just goes like boom and just nails him right in the face and you're dude it, it was like watching a cheetah sprint after a gazelle it was the most <laughs> insane thing ever and like what what makes it even better is like obviously Haku is an older older guy never loses a step. That nope. dude just zoo, just goes yep. right after him, man. Is one of the <laughs> I, part, so of, part of you almost feels bad for like the what culture guys. You're like, what were you guys thinking? Like you could have got seriously hurt. And Tomatonga is just like, well, whatever. I don't care. It's, it's, it's dad. What are you gonna do? Yeah. I'll stand for it. <laughs> you. <laughs> Oh my god! You gotta! I gotta try and find this. That sounds amazing. I yeah. I vaguely remember hearing about it, but I don't think I I just didn't pay much attention. It was to like it. the the Bullet Club lunch, something, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. 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 I just love. Yeah. That. How do you? Haku's weird. He's a he's like an honorary <laughs> Bullet Club member. I just love it. <laughs> Haku's an honorary whatever the fuck he wants yeah, to be. Haku's gonna be whatever he wants. To be. <laughs> Good luck telling him otherwise. I, could you imagine if like you know like in a in a weird world. Where like Haku is doing the seventh inning stretch, and they're like, <laughs> "Ladies and gentlemen, legendary Haku." But one second, first uh, first baseman Haku for the Chicago Cubs. Is <laughs> <laughs> just yes. It's, it's just I, I literally there's nothing Haku could like. There's nothing to stop him. Whatever he wants, he's just that's yeah. okay. Okay, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, sir. It's, My God. Well, that's that was that's another great story I heard once was, you know, uh, you know, if you remember that when DX went to invade WCW, right? And they they pulled the tank up, uh, you know, the Jeep, really the Jeep outside. Right. Yeah. Uh, somebody I can't remember who it was now, but somebody who was in WCW at the time uh, said, you know, um, yeah, go ahead. Open the gate. Open the gate. We'll have Haku and Barbarian meet them there. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's see how bad they really want to get in. <laughs> Jesus. Ned, have you gone back and watched some of those like those like Saturday night? What was it called? Saturday night? Not heat. Saturday night. Main event. Main event. It was on at like five o'clock on a Saturday. I know Tom and I uh-huh. used to watch them all the oh, time, yeah, all but the like. Time. Yeah. And it was in that weird spinning ring thing. But, like, you could tell the Barbarian and Ming were there, and they were like, God damn it, you're interrupting our, like, drinking time. And they would <laughs> beat the shit. I just, like, watching those jobbers, and I'm like, oh, my God, these <laughs> poor guys. Like, 
Oh no! Well, and you know, I, what you get for me having to come into work today. I still think I still to this day I know that you know sweet chin music is is Shawn Michaels thing and he he gets real pissy about the fact that super kicks are now just used willy nilly but I, I mean Ming's thrust kick was a thing of fucking beauty oh I mean honestly Haku Ming the thrust kick that he used was so fucking good it was so tight uh I you know I he doesn't I don't think he gets enough credit for for a lot of the shit he did in ring he's he's become this kind of legend but he was just a good worker too he was you know he was consistent uh you know he he was always he was able to hang in there with giants with technical guys with small guys he could do hardcore i just i i I think he was just an underrated talent as a whole so i i thought he deserved a little bit of spotlight attention here a little bit of love from the three sweet me bro oh yeah man Oh, absolutely great, great choice, man. No, I Ming is oh man, he's so goddamn uh when when it, it, when I was a kid so watching fun. like WCW, like and this is pre obviously before we've we were like deeply invested and rooted in wrestling and like studying it as like a thing. Like the only time I can recall like Goldberg potentially losing was when he fought Ming. Yep. Cause I was like, holy shit, this dude is like blow for blow and like i like knowing now the history of him like i i I would love to kind of hear goldberg talk about it because of like (laughs) hey i'm gonna go over and you know like everybody knows the notorious like regal and goldberg spot but like how on earth did they convince haku to be like okay you're gonna be like number 56 this guy's gonna run through you (laughs) and he's like no he's not (laughs) even goldberg probably was like i i gotta tread lightly here guys Mm -hmm. i might die we hear the stories all the time about andre and how you know andre was the ultimate ultimate decider on who was going to win the match right you may have you may have booked andre to lose but if he didn't want to lose he wasn't going to fucking lose no way i I think the same has got to be true with haku you know if 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 he decided he just no you're not going to beat me tonight the fuck are you going to do about it? You know, <laughs> you're not going yeah. to take him out legit. So if, if, you know, if he wasn't such a nice guy, again, as everybody says, he could have been one of the most dominant fucking people in the history of professional wrestling. That's what cracks me up the most about him. You know, not to, to keep it, to keep it going or anything, but just he, everything I've ever heard about him is it, it's, he, like you said, Jim is just, he is either the nicest, sweetest guy in the world or he's a you know could be like a violent felon like it's just it's insane <laughs> like where it's like wow man i i kind of want to see both but oh man it always it, like it cracks me up he comes from an era that is like wrestling birthed him like yeah he was born and bred for this business and like you can you can have all the homegrown talent you want and you can pretend to be tough but like that era is always will always be so fascinating to me because it was just like you lived by a certain code you died by a certain code you were either tough or move on that'll wrap it up for this episode but come back next time for more news analysis and of course spotlighted wrestler of the week Big thanks for giving us a listen and a super thanks for subscribing to this podcast so you can have our dulcet tones delivered right to you each week. Feel free to leave us some feedback on your podcast delivery platform of choice. On behalf of Mike and Tom, I am Jim and we are out. Out.